podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. We have a great show for you today. Going to break down a fantastic 49ers win against the Pittsburgh Steelers featuring the emergence of Drake Jackson and, of course, some classic segments like Hufunga Kawabunga. Going to drop a new segment on you called Nitpicking Dominance, and then we'll move into some news and, of course, preview next week's game. Daniel, how you doing this fine Monday? Oh, I am so good. It is one of the best Mondays ever. I think everybody agrees with me. That was just so much fun yesterday. What an incredible, incredible game. Um, Of course, football is never perfect, but man, oh man, was that a fun one to watch. Uh, Fantasy owners, if you have Brandon Ayuk, you are singing his praises this morning. Are you kidding me? So, loads to talk about this morning, but my my start and what I'll say again at the end, my, my best uh, note of advice, encouragement, is to bask in this win. I know George Kittle's got his 24 hours, or I think even just the whole team has a 24-hour rule. They enjoy the game for 24 hours, or they, they sulk in the game, or whatever it is they need to do, and 24 hours later, they move on and focus the next week. But uh, they played at 10 a.m., so I'm going to really enjoy the last few hours of this of this glorious win. Yeah, what a what a great game. I mean, we we talked about how in many years prior, the 49ers have kind of started the season slow, and I said, hey, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year, and and wow, oh wow, were were we correct? The 49ers proved. They were just in a different class than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was very, very fun to see. And I know, so we talked about last week, we looked at a power rankings, and I'm pretty sure the Steelers were like 17th on it. Maybe they were 16th. I just, I know you guessed either 16, 17, or 18, and you were one off. Like, you were right there. So they're, they're a bottom tier NFL team, but they're like the top tier, bottom half, right? And... I just, you know, in terms of fantasy purposes, I don't really believe in Kenny Two Gloves just yet for the sake of the dude throws with a glove on his hand. I've never seen a quarterback do that and play well. So he's cool. young. Okay, I stand corrected. I'm actually sitting, so I sit corrected. I take that one back. Thank you. I, I honestly <laughs> knew that when I said it, I knew there was one. And I was like, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't right let now. you let that one slip by. No, I, never let me let it slip by. But I just don't believe in Kenny just yet. I don't think he's a stud just yet. I don't think uh, that he is a bust by any means. I think he's just going to take his time. This is his first season truly behind the helm. And I was just excited to have the Niners open up their season against this little puppy who's ready to roam and grow and become a big dog. Similar to Brock Purdy. And we'll get to Brock Purdy. But what we already know is Brock Purdy is a full-grown dog. It's so funny the and, discourse for this game because Purdy and, and Pickett were from the same draft. Like they are both second yep. year players and yet 
no one really ever talked about like is Purdy ready to take the helm like oh Purdy looked like he's ready this year it was just always like yeah Purdy's ready I don't know I always I mean, thought that was fun he he had a very unique situation right we all know he came in because two guys were injured and it was oh gosh the last pick of the draft has to go in like this has to be good like this is going to go horribly and then he won seven straight games so he he told us all he's ready he told us all he can handle it and so i just love that he came out and silenced the haters and that's that's what bosa said at the end of the game bosa was barely talking about his game and him being back he wanted to talk about brock and how solid he was so on the fantasy team that i have brock pretty on i also have Amon Ross St. Brown. And so, of course, my team name is Brock Party on Brown Street. And I love it. That's pretty good. That is that is pretty good. I will say Purdy, despite the dominance, uh, not the best fantasy week, but he didn't need it. Um, Purdy has now become the first quarterback in NFL history to win and have two touchdown passes in his first six regular season starts. Uh, Purdy has been excellent i don't think he's played a bad game when healthy yet i'm sure he will at some point but i'm not sure it's going to be going to be anytime soon and i i think he he showed he showed things he didn't even have last year i mean that one scramble daniel he was making guys miss he looked yep. excellent in the pocket throwing he on made the Mika move. fitzpatrick his, look like a fool his arm looked his arm looked great. Like he was, he was pushing the ball deep. No super deep shots. It's something to keep an eye on. Still with him coming off the elbow injury. But again, he, he didn't need to. He did everything the 49ers needed him to do, and, and more. I have a couple more comments, but we will, we'll save them for, for nitpicking dominance. If you want to stay on the offensive side of the ball for a minute, I think Daniel, I think the 49ers have a new wide receiver one. <laughs> they, there, there was a lot of talk about that in the off season. And I, I wonder if Kyle heard that and said, yeah, I'm going to make some noise. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that. And that's that's Brandon Ayuk. That is Brandon Ayuk, where, you know, we already talked about coming out quick, coming out strong. And that was something that we have struggled to do in the last couple of years. And what a way to do it. What a statement to start the game. I mean, that first drive was unreal. Once we got that ball, we shut the Steelers down real quick. We got that ball. And yes, the first pass was to Debo, but then we kind of forgot about Debo for a while because it wasn't a very big one. And then um, we saw, I believe that was, yeah, so Debo rushed. He Debo touched the ball the first two times, and then he kind of went bye-bye, and Brandon Ayuk took over. George Kittle got the ball then, so did CMC. And uh, that is where that's where IU got its first touchdown, and then it just didn't stop. The ball did not stop coming to Brandon Ayuk, and it was great. I mean, he had the most targets out of the day. He had eight. Debo had seven, but Brandon Ayuk had eight. He was eight for eight. He was eight for eight. Poor T. Higgins yesterday and Joe Burrow were zero for eight. So I'm going to take the Brock Purdy Brandon Ayuk stack here and enjoy the eight receptions for 122 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, and and two touchdowns. And I I, I want to be clear, and I think you agree, I am not saying that Debo Samuel is not going to keep being Debo Samuel. I just think it means Brandon Ayuk is going to keep being Brandon Ayuk, and we need to I, – I mean, I've said this before, and I, I think it's true. Debo is the NFL's signature playmaker, right? I don't know if there's anybody – who can make plays the way Debo can in this league. 
If there is, his name is Christian McCaffrey and he's on this team and we'll get to that in a minute. But in terms of pure receiving ability, Ayuk is a better receiver. I mean, getting those feet down on that second touchdown, he is just a pure, pure receiver. I think Debo is probably a better player, but in terms of raw receiving ability, Ayuk might be better. And so I think that's important to to keep in mind because he he was the 49ers wide receiver one yesterday and I'm not convinced that he won't continue to be throughout the year. He's certainly a better route runner. He is certainly a better route runner. And so part of what I think is Debo is, is a very unconventional wide receiver, right? We, last year, I, I believe the, the big term for him was the hybrid, right? So he was doing all sorts of things, and that's what Kyle Shanahan loves in his offense. And I feel like the kind of player that Jimmy Garoppolo also really liked to have as a weapon. Now, I think Brock Purdy is going to enjoy that as well, but I think he's also a more – Brock is more of a traditional quarterback in that sense. He's a pocket guy who he's going to move. He's not going to be a big runner. But as we saw yesterday, he can move and scramble. And he he juked out Minka Fitzpatrick. And, you know, I'm sure this, this might be a comment you're going to make, and I'll let you go to it in depth in uh, nitpicking dominance. But Purdy rolls out to his left every single time. And teams – and we talked about that last year. And teams are going to figure that out. But Minka Fitzpatrick certainly did not figure that out yesterday. And Brock does this full, like, 360 and then jukes Minka, and he just totally stumbles and tries to go catch up to him, but he's he's long gone at this point. Um, speaking of so that, uh, that was cool to see. Speaking of Steelers defensive backs, wasn't there one who predicted that he would have an interception on, on Purdy? He, he sure did. He must, have meant, he must have meant that he would give up a touchdown reception. Right, I mean that must be what Patrick Peterson really meant, because he did not have an interception. Steelers cornerback Patrick Peterson, and instead Brandon Ayuk caught a touchdown right in his face. Always, always fun to see press conference. (laughs) Yeah, didn't he just say like, "Oh yeah, was was that on Peterson?" (laughs) Yeah, well he 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 did it in. You could hear his tone. He's like, you know, he's like, "Hey, I'm asking for a friend." Was uh, was that one on Peterson? Like, yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> like he just he knew that a little bit. He loved it. Um, but yes, I like Brandon Ayuk. He is the best route runner on this team. I think George Kittle's right behind him. He runs some nice routes. But Ayuk is so crisp. He, I believe, it was Patrick Peterson on him. Um, but man, he made him stumble for one of those touch for that touchdown. Um, and for that first one, whoever was on him as well, just. He broke some ankles in coverage, and that's so legit to have in in this wide receiver. And then you have a Debo Samuel as a hybrid. So I love how much they went to Brandon in the air, and I love having different kinds of receivers. I love that. I mean, was it just last year or two years ago now that we were saying, ah, Ayuk's in the doghouse, man. Kyle hates Brandon. Kyle does not like Ayuk and we know that's not the case, but I'm sure Kyle had something to do here with making making a pretty good receiver just a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great work from, from Ayuk. I think if we want to stay on the offensive side of the ball, let's talk about the running game in 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey, who had a phenomenal game, his longest touchdown rush in his tenure as a 49er, which I think was... 65 yeah 65 yards finished the game with 152 carries 152 yards on the ground 22 carries 
and one touchdown, and I'm sure there was some receiving in there as well. I'm just double-checking. And, of course, three receptions for 17 yards. So Christian McCaffrey, uh, still the NFL's best running back. He was excellent. That 65-yard run was absolutely incredible, and we do need to mention a name we just mentioned because it would not have been possible without a phenomenal block from Brandon Ayuk and maybe an even better block from Ray-Ray McLeod. Did you see that block from McLeod, Daniel? Yes. Yes, they well. So Brandon Ayuk showed you he knows how to block, and he blocked and kept going and stayed with him. Ray Ray did a great job. It wasn't as beautiful or textbook of a block as maybe you would have liked to see, but I mean that is a that is a smaller wide receiver or a skinnier wide receiver who did his job blocking for CMC and m- making his way in there. So, well, and I mean, and not I, only that, those are the things. Uh, that was a veteran wide receiver's block because McLeod was a, a younger guy gets flagged for a block in the back or a chip block there. Like McLeod was on track to plow into that. I, I forget who the Steeler was, but plow into him in the back and knock him over. A lot of younger, more inexperienced guys would have done that. But McLeod stopped, took a step, got in front of him, and then blocked him cleanly, letting letting McCaffrey get into the end zone. So that was just, not only was it an impressive block, but the the intelligence and the awareness to not plow into him from the side and, and from the back, but instead to kind of pause, take a step, get in the right position, and then make the block, that was such a smart veteran move on the on the part of McLeod, I was I was really impressed, and it was just such a such a great play. And I mean, it's it's a phenomenal run either way, but it, it's not a touchdown if if McLeod's not there and if Ayuk's not there. So just love to see our wide receivers blocking, and love to see the intelligence from Ray Ray McLeod. And it's it's plays like that that keep him on this team. You know, the blocks were sick, and so was his run. But can we take it back to before he even truly got in the breakaway and his little three sixty spin around the block? That, that was like Alvin Kamara. That was an Alvin yeah, that was Kamara like, like that was one of my favorite guy, parts. Keep going kind of move, you know. That was one of my favorite parts of the entire game. I mean, I just love that, and that move is really what allowed him to break away and then go on the sixty-five yard run and get those two blocks later in the play. Absolutely. But if he didn't have that awareness, that ability to be that shifty and do that three sixty move spin, I just love it. That's some of the stuff that next-level players, that's what sets them apart, is they can think to do that in the moment. They can execute it well, not just like, ah, I tried something. It didn't work, you know? Killed it. So great day on the offense. The one thing I was a little a little shocked to see is is kind of how many, how many people were used in a sense where, um, you know, they Kyle said they're not going to overwork McCaffrey. He had 22 attempts. That's that's a large amount. I wouldn't say that's overworked, but that's like max volume in my mind for Christian McCaffrey, especially in a game that was decided. You know, just because we scored early doesn't mean it's decided, but this game was over long before he probably hit 22 attempts. Um, and Elijah Mitchell only had five, and he never really got a lot going. Only had 10 yards. His longest was four yards. And then they only tried it twice with Debo, and that makes sense. Um, and then I was a dum-dum at the end of the game looking at the stats, and I'm like, wait, when did Sam Darnold have two rushing attempts? <laughs> and my friend was like, uh, that was him kneeing the ball. And I said, oh, yes, I forgot that that still goes down on the stat chart, right? Well, never um, forget Tom Brady after he passed 1,000 career rushing yards doing his, knee da- his kneel downs forward. 
like making the yeah. offensive line still block and stepping forward to to take the knee. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I actually don't think I was aware that Darnold went in for that. That's that's funny. Um, but no Jordan Mason. I was a little no surprised. I mean, to see to see a team doing so well, especially at the end, like game's over. Not gonna put Jordan Mason in there. I was surprised by that. So well, I didn't and, really. I don't. And really, no Elijah Mitchell as well. Like I think we talked a lot about how we thought the 49ers would lean on Mitchell a bit to to spell McCaffrey and not necessarily use McCaffrey as the traditional workhorse back. McCaffrey and was and a five. traditional a workhorse ratio. back this game. I mean, five carries from Mitchell, twenty two from McCaffrey. That was not a we are going to lighten this guy's load kind of game that was a this is our dude and we're gonna let him cook i know okay so i guess this this is a horrible week to choose this as an example but when i see 22 attempts i'm like that's a normal amount for a starting quarterback but we don't necessarily you know from what we talked about from what we had just said and what it sounded like kyle had said in the preseason is it's not going to be just that way and i know so i was i looked who's who's the number one workhorse running back like in the NFL, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. So I go, Although Hey, he let's go look at how he did not lead his team in carries this week and carries. Yeah, he did. And maybe it wasn't in snaps or something. Uh, yeah. It might've been in snaps. Um, cause he had 15 attempts and Tajay Spears behind him only had three, but Derrick Henry having 15 attempts is very light, but I know that this Titans saints game was very close down to the wire. And so they were they were probably throwing the ball a lot more, uh, but 15 attempts is not a lot for for Sir Derrick Henry, Sir King Derrick Henry. So Chris McCaffrey getting 22. I'm you know I'm I'm not like bummed about that. I'm not displeased with that number, but I'm just a little cautious of like okay, I don't want to overwork him game one. And Elijah only had five carries. Like we didn't want to spread the ball around anymore at all. And then there was only only four receivers caught the ball. Brandon Ayuk, eight times. Debo Samuel, five. Kittle and McCaffrey, three. Elijah Mitchell and Jawan Jennings were targeted a once each time. So just just a very, you know, we're letting the studs get it done today is kind of what it looked like. And I'm not arguing that. But yeah, I will I, say I, just don't, I'm not, I don't see that being of the last of full season. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I don't think this is necessarily emblematic of what the 49ers offense is really going to look like, right? Because this was a... A beatdown. This was not a game. This was a beating. So I don't think Kyle's going to unveil the true form of this 49ers offense. You know? Like, why would you roll out your best stuff when your stuff is kicking the other team's butt, right? I, I, I don't think this is emblematic of what the 49ers offense is really going to look like. And we won't know that until we're in a shootout, until we're in a real close game. And Maybe that'll be next week. Maybe that'll be in three months. But at some point, we're going to really see what this Niners offense is. But this was definitely its basic form. You know, this was this was not uh, kicking it into high gear. This was cruise control. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's let's slide down to the defense and let's talk about this incredible defense and how they did. Got to um, talk about one name first. There I is, will let you. I, I will give you that name right now to talk about. We said all last off season. We said all this off season. If this 49ers defense is going to take another step, this defensive line, if it's going to step into that next level, it's going to be because last year's draft pick, I think he was in the second round, Drake Jackson, is going to step up and be become a true, true pass rushing threat across from Nick Bosa. 
It did not happen last year. It absolutely is happening right now. Drake Jackson finished yesterday with three sacks and three QB hits and two tackles for loss. A true, true dominant game from Drake Jackson. Now, two of those tackles for loss may also be sacks. I'm unclear reading this step chart, but three sacks is the number we want to look out there. That led the team. Obviously, it is a team sport. Defensive line play, maybe most of all, based on team performance, but Jackson looked excellent out there, and if he is going to be that guy throughout this season, wow. I truly think that this is going to be one of the best defensive years we have seen in the last five. Um, and I know that that it sounds wild coming off of last year being the number one defense in years prior, being an absolute top defense. It's certainly the most have... talented. The only reason it's yeah, not man, right we... is maybe you say Steve Wilkes is a drop in defensive coordinator, but I, I don't, don't say I that, don't think though. he is. I know a lot of people think that. Um, you know, going from Robert Sala to Demeco Ryan's, Demeco Ryan's. How many years was Ryan's there? Just literally two. one. It was two. Okay. Oh. Um. Oh yeah, that's right. He almost went after one, and he did not. And then it was like, okay, he's gonna get any job he wants the next season. And he got and, it. And he did. And so going from Sala, who was incredible, Ryan's incredible as well. But if you you know, I know Niners fans aren't too concerned with the Carolina Panthers, but when Wilkes came in, they had one of the best defenses in the league. And yeah, they had some great players like Brian Burns, and I really like Jeremy Chin as well, but they did not have nearly as good of a defense talent wise as the Niners do right now, or as we did. I think a lot of that defense goes to that credit goes to Steve Wilkes. And I just think he's one of the most under the radar. A lot of people do not know about him because um, he's not necessarily like this. You know, he, he doesn't have the personality of Robert Sala, and he doesn't necessarily have the history or the pedigree pedigree of uh, D'Amico Ryan's. But I am thrilled to have Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator, and I think he is going to do incredible things. He's not changing a lot that the Niners hadn't played the last couple of years because he doesn't need to. He's just going to continue to refine and coach up this defense in the talent that they have. And so, like, if we were to sit here and rank the skill of our defensive players, Drake Jackson is by no means in the in the top five. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. I think right I mean, now. Behind, I don't know if I'll agree at the end of this season. Totally. But behind Warner, Bosa, Greenlaw, Hufunga, Javon Hargrave, Traverius Ward, like, those are the ones that are just right away where I'm like, not that – not that he can't get there, but I'm like, those are the guys that are already the serious studs. That just shows you how much depth there is. And what we talked about just last week and we have before is that if Drake Jackson is going to take that next step, part of that is going to happen because of him lining up next to Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa, where you know Bosa was double teamed like all day and had plenty of holding calls against him, right? Um, but that's going to open up doors for Jake Jackson and he's got to kick them down. Um, even though they're open, he's got, he's got to kick them down and he has to thrive with those guys next to him. And he absolutely did. I think yesterday was the biggest statement he could have made. I don't know what more you could have asked for, but you get these other, other absolute studs next to him who the main focus is there. If I'm 
the if I'm Mike Tomlin or the Steelers offensive coordinator that I have no idea who he is, I'm saying, okay, don't worry about this young kid. Focus on Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave, and you know we'll do our best. Um, and Drake was like, okay, that works for me, and he made that work, right? So that was such a cool thing to see, as you had, as you had pointed out. Um, part of part of what I'll save for Diomnor Lenore is in your nitpicking dominance. Ah, uh, yes, um, I have one for him too. That I'll I'll save it there. We'll we'll get there. But he did lead the team in ten total tackles and eight solo tackles. So he was around the ball yesterday. That was great. I'll save the rest for for next next uh, segment. But Fred Warner also in there. Um, we had a lot of guys get multiple tackles all across the board. So you know it's very normal to see a cornerback or your mainly your top linebacker at the top of the tackle chart. A lot of pass deflections. Fred Warner had one. Ambry Thomas had one. Talanoa Hufunga and Charvarius Ward had one. Um, did you know how much Ambry Thomas played? Like, did you realize that? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I'm, Me neither. I'm excited about it. I, for some reason, I just feel like Ambry Thomas cracking this starting lineup is like not out of the realm of possibility this year. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to nitpicking dominance? Well, first, I want let's because we're on the defense. Let's do Hufunga Kawabunga first. All right, works for and me. And the main, the main thing, this is what gets me so excited. It's these little things. So Hufunga, if listeners, if you're new or if you don't remember, Talano Hufunga is my hero. He's the guy that I love. I love a lot of guys in this team, but it's Hufunga is the real one right here. And he had five tackles, five solo tackles, one for a loss, an interception, and a pass deflection. So if you saw that interception, just it was perfect. I mean, it was it was pretty easy for him. But my favorite thing about it, and I'm sure Timmy knows where I'm going with this, because we talked about it last year. Deshaun Gibson, who came in as just a veteran, he he had a good career, not necessarily a great career, but he had a good career, bounced around a little bit, but spent most of his time in Chicago, I believe. I couldn't tell you how much he truly bounced around, but he just came in as a veteran. We were working out and you know, sometimes we sign him, sometimes we don't, and you don't expect those guys to necessarily play a huge role, but then he became a starter, but he was, he, he said in interviews, he was pretty ready to, to retire and he credits Hufunga for helping revive his career. Not only did uh, Gibson, does he feel like Hufunga has made him better, but has brought more joy and life to the game and to being a part of this incredible team. So how fun is that to see Hufunga get this interception, run up the field, and then you see it when you watch the replay in the close angle, you can see him kind of twirling the ball on his hands like rugby. And he gives that lateral to Gibson. And sure, it might have been slightly forward, my friend was like, well, he tossed it to him on like the 40 and then he caught it on the 46 or something. And I'm like, yeah, because if they're running, he's not going to catch it where on the same yard line it was thrown, right? But it was I, relatively. I saw that and I was like, all right, guys, like we might be getting ahead of ourselves here. That Like I, I loved I, it. The lateral was so fun, but I was a little like, yeah. oh, okay, we probably didn't need to do that. 
No, I, I absolutely loved it. You're, you're right. Probably didn't need to. But man, I just love that connection right there. And then them getting to do something like that in the game was so stinking cool. I just loved it. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of the game. But he, he was just making noise yet again, getting one of the two interceptions on this young Kenny, Kenny Two Gloves. Um, Hufunga just had a big game. He's such a, a, a presence there, and I just love it. So what a fun game for Hufunga Kawabunga to start off the year. So I love that. Yeah, I I love it as well. All right, should we – let's get negative for a moment here. Let's do some nitpicking dominance before we move on to a quick preview of next week's game. Let's, let's start in the offensive. Yeah, let's get negative. We're going to nitpick a dominant 49ers win. Uh, on the offensive side, two fumbles from Brock Purdy, one recovered in an all-time uh, butt fumble recovery, but one Unreal. fumble lost as well. So I don't know if maybe there's some arm strength still needing to be worked up on the on the part of Purdy, or to be honest, if TJ Watt is just that good, and I, I think it might be that. But two fumbles from Purdy, you don't you don't love to see. The recovery was obviously awesome. Not a big deal in a game like this where the 49ers are kicking the crap out of their opponent, but something to worry about or to keep an eye on. If it happens again next week, I'll I'll start to get a little worried. So definitely I'm a little worried about that. Uh, Daniel, let's go you next. Why don't we go back and forth on a nitpick? Let's hear one of your nitpicks. I like it. Uh, Diamador Lenore. Great performance. Ten total tackles, eight solo, as I said. Two pretty silly penalties. Oh, um, yeah. The late hit was terrible. The late hit was absolutely terrible. He was already off the field easy. Just, just unnecessary. And, I mean, when the, the play we're talking about is when Najee Harris is running to the right. He's about to go out of bounds, and he just hurdles Hufunga, who's just given everything he's got. And it, he was Hufunga was going to hit him right, right before he gets out. So that would have been clean. Najee hurdles him, but the momentum is carrying Najee out. So right as Najee lands, he's already like out of bounds, or he's going to be after he lands. And Lenore comes in, and I was watching with some buddies, and they're like, "Well, I think he just couldn't stop his momentum." You watch the replay. No, he takes a step to make sure he hits Najee, loads up, and I get it. Heat of the moment, in the play, but we can't be doing those late late hits, especially just in – there's no need. In the the place of the game that it was, we were ahead, it was feeling good, but that that is a move that changes the momentum, that changes the dynamics of the game and can really, really affect us in a very negative way. So – didn't love that. He had another silly penalty, and I can't remember. I think it was just holding. He was holding the receiver. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett was still in the pocket, and he had illegal contact. And it's just one of the things where it's like, you know better than that. They're close. They're either close to or in, in the red zone. So we just got to be smarter than that. So nitpicking from him where I'm like, hey, just got to clean this up. We're used to Dre Greenlaw taking some tough penalties and costing us a good amount. I don't want to have both of them be doing that. Yeah. Any absolutely. other nitpicking for you? Absolutely. Oh, you know I have more nitpicks. Uh, Colton McKivitz, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, we need it. We need it to talk about him. Should we be worried? Uh, starting right tackle for the 49ers, Colton McKivitz, had a bad game. TJ Watt ate his lunch all day long. Now, I'll be honest. Yeah. TJ Watt can eat your lunch all day long, and you can still be a pretty good right tackle. So I don't know that we can make a decision yet, but if he keeps looking Next like week. he looked today, that's going to be a significant weakness for this team the rest of the year. Next week's going to be the, re- the real tell, but you're totally right. 
you're totally right that he had a tough game and it's got to be better. But, I mean, that is, that is, I think, the toughest opponent for him to go up against. Maybe other than Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa himself. But what a day to be like, hey, Colton, welcome to the team. Go face Goliath, right? Yeah, it, like, it's probably the best, Matt. It's probably the best uh, pass rusher McKivitz will will face all season. Yeah. And I, I bet he's got a good attitude. Like, I know I've got the, the, the hardest challenge on the week one, but now I've got weeks after to get better, and if I play him again, I'll be ready or readier. So, so yeah, that's that. something to be keeping an eye on, what, what happens with that right tackle spot. Because if he does not take a step up, we should be a little concerned. Um, my one, my one final nitpick. I was going to do the Diamondor Lenore late hit, but you took it. Uh, Fred Warner did drop an easy pick six. Not a big oh. deal. But Fred would have loved to see you take that to the house. Oh, he would have too, man. And you watch that replay, and you know it's just because he saw open field. He looked too early. He was like, "Oh, this ball is coming right to me. I'm going to take it to the house," as you said. And open field. He got excited and then forgot about the ball. Speaking of uh, speaking of taking things to the house, I do want to give a little shout out to Christian McCaffrey for a very funny performance in a Lowe's commercial that was airing all day yesterday. Did you see this? Yes, it was very good. My the the best part of the commercial is at the very end, Christian McCaffrey like picks up a drill, and the lady go like one of the other Lowe's employees is like, "Yeah, take it to the house." So Christian McCaffrey goes, "I will." That's where I live. And he walks away. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty I, good. He does some good stuff. Yeah, he's very funny. Just very deadpan. Yeah, that was funny. So shout out to uh, CMC. All right, Daniel, I think hey, we one, might need to. Oh, sorry. Yeah, hit us with one last deadpan. thing. We have not, and we have to. Let's give Jake Moody a round of applause. Oh, absolutely. Because he he did it. Golf clap. Nice job, Jake. Um, because we were a little worried, right? One, he was injured. Him and Zane Gonzalez were both injured before the season. And Jake Moody didn't look that great in preseason, right? He had some good moments, but we we're also like, uh, third round kicker should be coming in hot, and he wasn't necessarily coming in hot. So, just want to give credit to him for coming in. You know, not all of them were straight down the pipe, but Jake Moody killing it, three for three. He's ready to go. Uh, Mike Tomlin was really trying to give him a run for his money, uh, icing him in the first kick, and then the Steelers, like all five of them, were offsides. Um, so that was quite the game to see, but uh, I, f- I feel pretty good about week one with Jake Moody. So Absolutely. Gutted through said, the injury and, and played at a third-round level. So yeah. we might have to move pretty quick through the, the next couple of things, but did want to talk little news for the 49ers. Daniel, injuries. I, I don't think we have any. Am I crazy? I, I don't think there were any 49ers injuries this week. Not that I saw. I was trying to look up... Uh, an injury report after the game yesterday, and I have not been able to find one. I found one before, so we know that Kittle was questionable up until the last minute. He Still is listed as questionable, but, I mean, he yes. played, so what do you know? And so we saw a couple of things. About? I'm a little worried about Trent Williams. Just saw him a, a couple of times throughout the day looking like he was beaten up. Um, I think he will be good to go because even when he's had some worse injuries, he's been good. Um, but, no, it looks like we have made it out pretty, pretty good. Knock, knock. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the Niners made it through with a clean bill of health, which which is the best possible. It would it would just stink to have a have such a dominant win and have an injury. Yeah. Other news. And that is a great way to feel. Oh, sorry. We got no, more. no, no. You're good. You're good. I was gonna say that is a great way to feel as we head into Levi's number two. Yeah, absolutely. We're heading into Levi's South. Do you want to hit oh, one Levi's more piece South. of news? Dang it. 
That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> Levi's South. Um, one more piece of news. We got the full Nick Bosa contract details. And the 49ers also restructured two other contracts. They restructured Trent Williams and George Kittle. Basically, restructuring is a fancy way of saying they paid them a bunch of money now so that it doesn't hit the salary cap and various bonuses and, and things. Um, that's essentially how that works. That's how you get a guy to restructure. And the 49ers now have the most cap space in the NFL for the 2023 league year. Somehow, this what? incredibly expensive roster has $42 million in cap space. Uh, thank you, Brock Purdy. But it's that's that's pretty shocking. And I don't know. I mean, this is a 49ers team that's all in. Jed York, by all accounts, is is willing to really pay. And so I I think there's some serious questions of are the 49ers going to make a move at some point in the the before the trade deadline to bring in another piece? If they do, right tackle has to be where yep. you look. I don't even know. Is there another position, Daniel? I think you have to start with right tackle. Uh, I would say you have to start with right tackle. The offense has showed that it is fine. I think the defensive line is going to be an absolute monster. And so, if anything, I would bring in another cornerback. One, just because Traverius, you know, quarterbacks go down, but Traverius hasn't always been healthy all the time. Lenore isn't is definitely not ready to take over number one and maybe not fully prepared for number two. Um, or just to give him, cha- uh, give him some challenge, give him some some competition there. So I would say a cornerback is the second, second I, piece to look I, for. I think I agree. That's where, where I would look as well. Maybe like a tight end if we want to have a have a second tight end who's a true receiving threat. But I think it's and right sure tackle. One. I think if you're making a list, it's right tackle and then a big gap before whoever else yeah. is likely. So something to just kind of keep an eye on. And totally. now, as Daniel said, we got to talk about the 49ers' next game. As they travel south, it's going to be an evening East Coast, afternoon West Coast game against the Los Angeles Rams, who were supposed to be bad, and then just kicked the crap out of the Seattle Seahawks, who were supposed to be good. So I have no idea if they're any good. Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was quite the game. So uh, Cooper Cup is out for four weeks on IR, if you didn't know that. Be surprised if you didn't. And there's been all this talk about Van Jefferson being the number one guy. And he wasn't it yesterday. He had a really bad drop, and then they they sat him. And Tutu Atwell and mainly Puka Nakua, my new hero, love, love that name and love him for fantasy, those guys popped off. And what's a little alarming is uh, Tariq or Reek Woolen. I, don't, I think he was on Puka. Maybe it was more Van. Um but he didn't do awesome yesterday against them. And Matthew Stafford and these receivers looked pretty good. Uh, Cam Akers wasn't necessarily popping off or anywhere to be found. Kyron Williams stole two touchdowns from him, but he was also, like, at the goal line. Yeah, so Cam had – oh, my goodness. Cam Akers had 22 attempts for 29 yards. That is an average of 1.3 yards per per attempt. You know, one touchdown. So, I'm not – yes, the Rams did – well against the Seahawks yesterday. I'm not nearly as worried. Stafford was 24 for 38, 334 yards. There's no way he's going to do that on the Niners defense. Uh, The Seahawks defense is, it has been better. Um, Bobby Wagner is there, but he is aged up. Jordan Brooks, um, I believe it's Kobe, Kobe Bryant, um, C-O-B-Y, Kobe Bryant. Um, So it's very young. For, for the most part. And they're they're getting more experience as they go. But this defense is not 
the 49ers defense. So I think Stafford and Sean McVay, they all know it's going to be a very different game. Um, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell are not going to both get 119 yards again. They will be shut down mainly because Stafford will not have as much time to throw. Absolutely. I do not see him being comfortable back there. And yes, the running backs had three touchdowns together, but for barely over 80 yards combined for the two of them. And so I think really what it is, is <coughs> excuse me, the Seahawks weren't able to stop the run game at the goal line. And I believe we will be able to. So I think this will be a very different team. What do you see? What do you see the Niners uh, coming out as, you know, as, as they came out hot against the Steelers, which is a much more respectable current team than the Rams. How do you see, like, yes, you said the Rams looked good here, but how do you, how do you see this game going at Levi's South next week, Timmy? I mean, Daniel, we both know the 49ers own the Rams, right? They always have, and I think they, they will continue to, but I'm a little worried. I just have no idea where the Rams are. Obviously, they're well-coached. Obviously, Aaron Donald is fantastic. We no longer have Daniel Brunskill, the Donald Slayer. So I don't. Yeah, I just don't know what to what to really expect. I expect the 49ers to win. I I could see it going so many ways. I could see it being a shootout. I could see it being another butt kicking. I just I I have no idea. Did to you, be honest? Uh, but I'm excited to, to watch see it. The Rams. Did you get to see the Rams Seahawks game yesterday at all? Not not particularly. The uh, one of the Rams reporters or whoever the announcer was was saying they were talking with Aaron Donald, and this this is what scared me. Oh, I'm sure you saw the highlight where he had an open run at Geno Smith, and you can hear <laughs> audibly Geno Smith go, "Oh my God!" Yeah, that was <laughs> and awesome. throw the ball away. That, that was, was unreal. So great, good. Um, great play from uh, from Aaron but, but, Donald. So yeah, I mean, but the Rams have that, some really talented players. They also have like 15, 14 rookies on their on their roster. So it's a very I just young have roster. No, no clue what to expect. But we'll. Uh, but the, it'll be fun to the see. The thing on Aaron Donald right there. Hopefully, that's this team keeps chugging along. Um, Aaron said to the reporter before that that play with Gino that he feels like this he's back in his rookie year again. He feels like he needs to reintroduce himself. He feels like he's fallen off as the top guy uh, at his playing at his level. And so he says he needs to reintroduce himself. And Aaron Donald saying that is what terrified me. Um, so that's that's the one thing I would say we really got to look out for next week is, you know, anytime we play the Rams, it's look out for Aaron Donald. I think this offense will look very different against an incredible Niners defense. Um, these running backs are not going to be getting those goal line carries or goal line touchdowns as they were, and Stafford's not going to get 300 yards in the air. So Absolutely. Should be a good game, and uh, let's hope the 49ers continue to own the Rams. Oh, yeah. All right, should we make some bold predictions real quick, Daniel, and then I, uh, I got to Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How did I even think about it? How did I even think about it? No, I think we... Bold predictions. Let's I missed on mine last week. Only one touchdown from McCaffrey, but it's okay. Uh, one touchdown from McCaffrey. Bosa did not get any sacks. Sadness. I said Brock Purdy was going to get three touchdowns, 250 passing yards, and then Bosa was going to get a sack. So I was 30 yards shy and a touchdown shy of my prediction. Yeah. I was one touchdown shy from McCaffrey. Um, I will say I've got, let's go my bold prediction. Nick Bosa didn't have a sack this week. I don't think that continues. I think Bosa finishes with at least one sack this week. Okay. Let's say two, because one doesn't feel bold. Two sacks for Bosa. Two sacks for Bosa. I'm going to go with, 
Debo gets his first interception. Debo gets his first TD. And I'm going to say... Love it. We, I'm going to say the Niners win by at least two touchdowns. Love it. Bold. I don't, I don't feel this uh, being a super close one. I, so I'm, I I'm agree. going to predict that they come out on top big time. I completely agree. That'll be, that'll be fun. Well, good stuff. Go Niners. Yeah. Go Niners. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. So excited for this season. So fun to watch a dominant 49ers win. And hopefully we all get to enjoy the same this Sunday. Stay safe out there, everybody.